Mike and Paige. We are college sweethearts who live outside the Nashville area. We have four flippin' amazing, stupendous, super sweet, sometimes kids. <laughs> uh, we love a good story and we love a good podcast, so we thought we'd start our own. This is Laugh So You Don't Cry. Okay, so Mike always likes to take me to concerts to bands that suck a lot. <laughs> They don't really. Uh, Mike and I have different tastes in music, and (laughs) sometimes we enjoy it. Sometimes I ask to leave early. It's a no big deal. Um, But Mike took me to the Oh Hellos, which is actually like a freaking phenomenal concert. I really liked it. Um, (laughs) I can't even get through it. So we went to this concert. And, um, you know, as always, there's openers. And I think the first opener went, no big deal. Second opener comes in. And she starts playing. And it's a singer-songwriter, which that is my jam. I love a good singer-songwriter. So I'm sitting there. And the singer-songwriter is playing. And she's doing a great job. And the next thing we know, there's a person who comes up off the side of the stage. And then she starts, like, interpretively dancing, to this lady's set and she just like keeps going and I mean she's all over that stage she is working at girlfriend like she's like a mix between ballet and interpretive dance just like doing her thing to this song living her best life and then she disappears (laughs) all of us are kind of like the whole time we're like, is this part of the show? Is this not part of the show? What What is happening here? So the singer-songwriter stops playing, and she, she talks to us about something. And she turns around, and she goes, what did she say? Like, is there someone back here? And she was like, is there someone back here that was just dancing? And we were all like, yeah. And she's like, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> To which we all like started laughing, but that lives rent free in my head. (laughs) I just need you all to share with me that that lives rent free in my head. Also, I do want to say we recorded this episode about a month ago. Mike did. This is a purely Mike episode. I'm not in it. Um, I was at a birthday party uh, for a friend and I get this text and it's like, Mike somber something. Mike goes on a whatever. Um, restless nights. Something, something. And I, <laughs> I go, is this a poem? <laughs> I was like, did you just text me a poem? And he was like, <laughs> he laughed and he goes, no, I'm recording a podcast and I need you to hold this for me. And that is all you need to know. I knew nothing about this podcast until I came home and he goes, just listen to it. He was like, I don't think I'm going to keep it, but you know, listen to it, see if you like it. And I think that there's something so valuable in listening to people while they're in the middle, not when they're finished up, not when they're cleaned up, but when they're really wrestling through something. And so Mike is kind of wrestling through something. It's a very somber very sad podcast. So maybe listen to it and then watch Elf or something (laughs) to cheer yourself up. But um, this is Mike's solo podcast. Okay, guys. So there's no intro uh, story this week. Nothing real funny. Um, 
this one's going to be a little bit different. Um, trying something out here. Uh, Paige is gone. She's on a date with some friends, a uh, girl's date for one of our friend's birthdays. And uh, I thought um, I would do a solo podcast. have no idea how this is going to go. Um, <laughs> it'd be funny to see how the banter goes back and forth between me and myself and I. Um, but there's been a lot of things on my heart lately. And, you know, I've been writing stuff down and doing that. So I thought, why not just like sit down and record a podcast about it? Kind of just speak my mind and uh, put it out there. So yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, <clears throat> if you guys have been following uh, our story uh, for a while now, uh, it's been a lot. You, you've been here for the ups and downs, and we're really grateful um, that people still listen to this thing. Uh, it was totally a random thing we decided to do. Had no idea what we were doing. Have never done this before. Um, and it's been really awesome to see the response. And you guys have kind of, you know, we've gone into a lot of detail about mine and Paige's story, um, about, you know, our marriage, about being parents, about, you know, me being an addict and us going through, you know, that whole nightmare. Um, and so I kind of wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper and um, kind of go into a little more depth of, my side of the story, uh, and kind of where I am right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 37. Uh, I'm starting to feel that age, <laughs> you know, uh, it's very hard sometimes for me to step back and realize that I'm that age. Cause people, I think sometimes still look at me like I'm, you know, in my late twenties kind of by like my appearance and the goofy way that I act. Um, you know, I, I, I never thought that I'd be a dad. I never thought that I would ever have kids. Uh, we went into that a, a little couple episodes before. Um, so a lot of my life that I'm going through right now um, and have been going through are is still really new and still kind of like uh, it puts me back sometimes. Like it, it makes me uh, step back and kind of just like an awe and in kind of and, and and in surprise because. Uh, <laughs> where I'm at right now was never part of my plan. And I'll be honest, I never really grew up with a plan. You know, I, I never had those um, ambitions of being married or having kids and and owning a home and, you know, doing the whole, like, responsible adult thing and, like, you know, typical, you know, American adult thing. And, and it's really weird that I am for me. Um, not that I was ever against being married or having kids. It was just, that just wasn't something that I grew up thinking about. Like I never th grew up thinking, oh, I can't wait to be a dad or, oh, I can't wait to have a wife. Like it was just never a thought to me. And I never thought that I would be married. And to be honest, when I did think about getting married, when I was way before I met Paige, it was like, you know, if it lasts, <laughs> you know, so I never had hope for marriage. Um, and that's probably because I didn't grow up with marriage in my home. I never saw that kind of stability, you know, and so it was never something that I desired or knew, you know. Um, really, the only people around me that were married were my friends' parents, and even some of them weren't married. So it was like marriage was never a concept. Um, but here I am, almost 11 years into being married, four kids, and... Man, uh, 
it is good. <laughs> it is really good. It's incredibly hard. Um, but man, it's so good. And I, I don't think I'd ever change it. And I, I, I hope my kids grow up desiring marriage and children, desiring to have a, a family, um, no matter what the size. I hope they desire that fullness that it brings. Because it's true, it really does bring those, um, really does bring fullness to your life. Um, one of the things I've really been struggling with and I don't think we've really touched on it because um, me and Paige, we talk a lot about our faith. We talk a lot about uh, our love for the Christian church and our love for scripture and our love for Jesus. And I think that can often come off. And I'm not speaking for my wife. I'm, think, I'm speaking purely for me. Um, it comes off very stable and very sturdy and like a constant. And I just want to be transparent in that. Like it's not always that way, especially for me. Um, my faith, especially since I started abusing drugs and then even since I've gotten sober has taken a huge hit. Um, it's been very difficult watching others be faithful around me um, while I suck at being faithful. You know, my wife and I have always been in church and we've had great friends and <laughs> we've been invested into and we've invested into others. And, you know, I, I'm, I've, been, I've had the pleasure of knowing a lot of real faithful men and faithful women uh, who love the Lord and who are faithful to their church. And, you know, I, 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 for the longest time I've sat there and I've watched them enjoy their faith with Jesus and enjoy their faith um, with their spouse and see the fruits of it. And especially when I was abusing pills, um, it was really hard because I was jealous of it. I was jealous of, of how great their faith was, how great their relationship with Jesus was. And, you know, and I'll say this too, like probably also how it appeared because I mean, not everybody has a, you know, a flourishing relationship with Jesus Christ, but, um, assuming that they do, it was, it was hard and it still is hard since I've gotten sober. Um, a lot of great things have changed in me. You know, God has done a great work and continues to do a great work. Um, but I'll be honest, I'm struggling. And I think that's the reason that this podcast tonight is kind of like, you know, putting words on paper. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to come to others and I'll be honest, it's hard to, eat, to come to the Lord and say, I am struggling. I am struggling to live a faithful life. I'm struggling to find the joy that everybody else seems to have around me. 
and I'm trying. I'm I'm pushing. I'm you know I'm I'm doing a lot of the things. You know I'm I'm going to church. I'm I'm listening to the to the songs of praise and worship and thinking about those those words and singing them and speaking them to the Lord, giving Him praise. You know. I'm praying with my kids. I'm praying over my wife. I'm praying for my friends. I'm praying for myself. And it's hard because I I watch everybody else around me with this joy and like there's like an eagerness and like an expectation and that's not here with me. Like, I, I, I knowledgeably know that God will provide for me, and God loves me, and he'll, He will take care of me, and He hears my prayers, and that, um, you know, when I pray for another person, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what God calls me to do, you know, and, I, and when I repent, I'm doing what God calls me to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing what Scripture tells me to do, but... It feels very surface, surfacey, surface level. Like I don't f- feel like this, this passion or this deepness or this depth that everybody else seems to have. And I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it's just a big misconception. Maybe all my years in Christianity, maybe all my years in Bible college, maybe all my years studying the Word and um being in church, maybe it's a misconception. Maybe I missed something, you know, maybe there, maybe there isn't this depth that's there for everybody or anybody. Maybe that's just a big misconception. Maybe I am supposed to do all these things because that is what scripture calls me to do. And that is what the life of a believer is called to do faithfully. And without the expectation of something or anything. Because I'll be honest, it's a, it's a struggle. Like, I, you know, and I love my wife. She is truly amazing. And my wife, if you guys know her, she, she experiences things on a whole different level than anybody else does. I mean, like, you know, if, if she's taken a drink of a Coke, like, she's enjoying it on a level that nobody else can, you know? Um I think that's why she married me because I'm really enjoyable and she just enjoys me even more. <laughs> so I don't know, but like she has such an enjoyment of the Lord and like, and I, and I don't know if I do. I mean, I, I do enjoy doing things because I know that those things are honoring to God. You know, doing the right thing doesn't always feel good, but you, you know it is good, so there is a satisfaction that comes with that, but it feels like everybody else's satisfaction or everybody else's <clears throat> enjoyment is so much more on fire or uh, deeper than mine, and it's like, I'm trying. <laughs> like, I'm trying. I really am. Uh, and I feel like I'm just a rock skipping on top of the water. which is can seem fun for the first couple skips, but then eventually you really want to 
just dive down and be consumed in under under the water. And you know, I've had you know getting sober. You know, um, one of our episodes, you know, we talked about I had a relapse, and you know, so there is failing and. You know, I do fail. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I am not perfect. I, you know, like I, I cuss like a sailor often. That's a, a struggle that I've been working on for years. You know, I probably consume media too much and, you know, don't filter what I watch as much as I should, you know. Um, but man, I'm trying. I'm trying. And it's been such a long journey. And when I, When my faith started to get shallow it was right after we got married and my church life was awful and I had started working a lot and I had my community had went downhill because I wasn't able to see people as much and I wasn't reaching out and you know, I I know when it started. And then to compound it, I mean, really, like I started lying to Paige and I started abusing pills every once in a while. And every once in a while it became every day, you know. So I was hiding from my wife and I was hiding from the Lord. Because let me tell you, it's really hard to worship Jesus at church during worship, like music time, when you pop three Vicodin at eight o'clock in the morning, it's really hard to um, be responsive and pray for others at work and in your friend group when you're popping Vicodin and coding. And then you're coming, and then later on, you're not on it. You're, I'm coming down from it, and I feel guilty. And so it's just this, like, I can literally see, when I look back, I can see the starting points, and then I can see myself tying these weights to myself and drowning in my sin. And the more and more I weighed myself down with lies and with drug abuse and not coming forward to Jesus or to my wife or to others, I can, I can see my faith getting shallower and shallower and less and less. And as a drug addict, a high-functioning drug addict, you learn how to be high-functioning. You learn how to day-to-day be there while not being there day-to-day. And so I did all the things. You know, I went to small groups. I met friends for coffee. I read scripture. I went to church. You know, I volunteered. I did all the things. Um, I continued the actions. And, but at the same time, my heart was nowhere near the Lord because I was so ashamed and I, and I felt like I couldn't come to him. So when I got sober, I thought, well, man, this is going to be a big turning point. Like, I have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. 
I have nothing to hide anymore. Like that faith that I had when I was younger, the faith that I had when before we got married, right when I first got married, before I started really abusing pills, man, it's going to be like that and hopefully even better because I have nothing, I'm not hiding anymore. And so I got sober and I got honest and I made amends and I worked the, and I worked the program and, and I did all the steps and I, and I did all the work. But that depth didn't return. And here I am. Kind of curious when that depth will come back. And if, if you're still listening to this podcast right now, this episode, I don't know if we're going to post this to be fully honest with you. I, Paige didn't know I was doing this. I'm sitting here in front of the fire and I was like, I, I really want to write, put down my thoughts. If you're still listening to this, uh, I appreciate it. And I'm sorry that I'm blabbing on, but it's, it's hard. It's, it, it, this is, this is so hard to share because the, I'm going to make an accusation and an assumption and I, and you know, I'm, and I, and I don't know if I should, but my assumption is is that the church and other people they expect you to to be faithful they expect you to have your act together and i think the saddest part about it for me is that I know that that is that that is an assumption. Um, that that that's me accusing the church of doing something that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do, and I'm sure a lot of people have felt that, and a lot of people have the same assumption, and accu- and they accuse the church of doing this because, I mean, I, it is true in some senses, but the Lord has blessed me so sneaking much that everybody in my group of people that is in my that is my community. I could say these things too, and they wouldn't put me down for it. They wouldn't hold it against me. They would likely lift me up and try to help me. The fear comes for me is how do I communicate that? And the fear comes with well, what if I put this out there? What if I cast my net? What if, what if I put this information out there and I continue to try and others come around me to try as well and nothing changes? I think that's, I'm learning that about myself is that I think my biggest fear is the what if. And that what if is shrouded in doubt. What if this doesn't happen? What if that doesn't happen? You know, what if my faith is never regains its depth? And what if the 
the passion that I felt and that I had doesn't come back. And what if those who love me and love Jesus surround me and they act in their faithfulness to love on me and nothing comes of it? Then I fear that I've not only failed God, but I've also then failed them. And at the end of the day, I'm still, I still, where I still am where I was originally. It's really scary. And so for the past, gosh, almost coming up on two years, almost, of this sobriety journey, it, I've been holding on to this fear. I've been holding on to this fear, waiting for something to change. Waiting for one day for waiting for the waiting for tomorrow to be different than today. And tomorrow comes and it's another today. And so I wait for the next day and that day comes and it's another today. All the while, knowing what God has called me to, knowing what it means to be faithful to Jesus and love him and be a part of his church and to raise up children who know him and love him and to honor my marriage and to serve my community, still doing all those things, still trying to do all those things. And I don't know what tomorrow holds. And I really hope that tomorrow is different than today. And if it's not, well, at least tomorrow, just like today, I will love my wife, love my kids, and raise them in the way of Scripture. And I will serve my church and love my church and be a part of a community And that's really all that I can do. At least I think that's all I can do. I I I I never grew up in church. I I, we, I think honestly. So my my first memory of church is my sister and I walking in Detroit to this like corner church, and they had a food bank, and I remember holding this like box full of like fruit. And my sister had some bags of, of, of food. Um, so we walked down like in the cellar of a church and there was some guy at a window who like handed us some stuff. And that's my first memory of church. <laughs> um, after that, there was a local church in, in Trenton, Michigan, where I'm, where I'm from. And um, the only nice kids in the neighborhood went to that church. And so to avoid all the evil children <laughs> that were in my neighborhood, I would go there because that was a safe place. And I got involved in what was called Royal Rangers. <laughs> um, you had to pay to be in it and we didn't have the money for it. So, um, but they let me join along with all the stuff. Just, I didn't have the outfit. <laughs> I didn't do the program, but I got to be there. You know, I was that annoying, smelly kid who was always there. <laughs> 
you know. Um, and I'm, they talked about Jesus, and they talked about church stuff, and they talked about, you know, the, the Bible and whatnot. And it, it was cool, you know, um, but it, nothing ever really stuck for me. Um, one of the families that was in that group, they, they were very charismatic, and we went to some random church in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, they had like an altar call, and... Um, a bunch of the kids were telling me like, you know, you need to accept Jesus. You need to accept Jesus. And I was like, okay, you know, like I I just don't want to be excluded. So, you know, what, like you you tell me what to do and I will do it. And so they, you know, they did an altar call and I was like, well, it's time for me to, to, to time for me to time for me to love Jesus. And because this is all I got. And so I remember going up and doing that and they like anointed me with oil and were like speaking in tongues over me and stuff. And my little, nine-year-old mind was like, what in the world is going on? But I was included. And so I was like, sweet, whatever, (laughs) you know, cool. Um, But that was it. And then that Royal Rangers thing disbanded and I got a little older and, you know, so I stopped going and nothing ever came of it. Um, But those seeds really didn't fall on good ground when I was, when I was that age. Um, and I never really listened, but I will say this, even though it didn't stick and even though, um, I didn't accept Christ at at that time in my life. And even though, you know, (laughs) nothing, um, really fruitful came out of that as far as like, you know, what the church was trying to do what they did do right is they loved on a kid who had no dad and whose mom was sick and he had no friends. So looking back, I'm very grateful for those group of people. Um, it'd be really cool to get in touch with them. I I literally can't remember any of their names, (laughs) but, uh, I look back and I'm grateful that, that I had that place and that it filled a very huge need of me feeling accepted. You know, I'm sorry. And the one thing that I did take away from it, um, they played this song by a group called the Newsboys, and it's the breakfast song. Um, still to this day, it is stuck in my head. Uh, you know, some 30 years later, I still can't not think about that song. Um, if you don't know it, I recommend you go and YouTube that Bad Larry right now. It's uh, super good. Um, I wasn't always this way, you know. Like, there were times in my life when I was super faithful and super dedicated, and there was substance to my faith. You know, when I first got saved, when I was in high school, and years into that, and then um, in my early, in my mid-20s when I went to Bible college, and, you know, like, I mean, I was on fire. I was learning so much. Me and God's relationship was super good. And so I, I wasn't always this like shallow <laughs> Christian or like, you know, this like lukewarm Christian. And I really desperately want to get back to that time. And my wife has, so everything I've said so far has been kind of depressing. 
and it, it is. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you because the, while all of this is going on, so like everything I said prior, you know, like all of this has been going on for years. And then now as I'm sober, you know, I explained to you kind of what my faith has been going through and, you know, and that, um, and a little bit of the day to day, what that looks like, you know, still being a faithful believer in Jesus Christ while not having depth to my, to my faith. Like my wife knows this guys. She knows most of this. (laughs) Um, and to be honest, not because I've told her everything, but because you, as much as I got, as much as I lied to Paige and as much as I was able to hide from her, man, I, 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 this is, this is one thing I, I can't hide from her. Like she sees this, like God has given her eyes to see and she sees right through this entire facade. And I, I just use I use that terminology. Um, she has encouraged me so much. It's exhausting. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean that both ways. Like it's, 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 it's exhausting constantly being encouraged to pursue Jesus when you don't feel like it or when you don't see any fruit of it. And it's gotta be so exhausting for her. And I mean, like we're going on, we've been in Tennessee now for like seven years we're going on like seven years of this and really the hardest has been probably the past three to four years of this. And she herself has really just had this incredible faith growth and like her relationship with God is absolutely beautiful. Uh, I'm a little jealous of it, but more than that, it it's almost romantic how great the relationship is. And that has allowed her to see like, hey, you're not doing okay. And she has encouraged the crap out of me nonstop. And, you know, like I said, a lot of this has been really depressing. And so I kind of want to put, you know, a silver lining on this dark cloud. And that is that the one thing she's been encouraging me to do is to be in God's word. And that's the one thing that I'm probably not doing. And man, she's been on me for this like crazy. And for those of you who are in the same bubble as me or those of you who are in the same bubble as Paige, you know, I encourage you guys to continue to encourage us who are downtrodden um, because we really need it. But I don't know what it is. I don't know why I'm so hesitant to get into scripture. And so Paige has been encouraging me for months now, like really hardcore. And I had to do some evaluation because I'm like, okay, Mike, like really, why is it that I won't get into scripture? Why is it that I won't read the Bible? Why, why is it that like, this is the one thing that I'm like holding off doing, you know, I'll do everything else. I'll do it well. I'll do it faithfully. 
but I, 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 truth be told, I, I have been avoiding getting into God's word. And I think, after a lot of evaluation, I think it's because I fear God's grace and I fear his wrath at the same time. We were going to a church in Murfreesboro called The Experience, and it's a phenomenal church, guys. If, if you're in that area, I really recommend you checking it out. Um, but when we were there, this, this song came out and it was popular. And so, you know, the, the church did it, you know, seven times in a service. <laughs> no, but it was really popular. And um, it was that, you know, I am a child of God um, song. And I hate that song. I hate it. And it's not because of the to- the tone or the you know the lyrics or you know how it was structured. It's be- well, it is because of lyrics. Because it is because of lyrics. Because I I don't agree with that. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle for the. I struggle with those lyrics. I struggle with those words. And that song would come on, man. And we'd sing it every single Sunday. And every time it would come on, I would like I would like internally shut down because. I struggle believing that. And I struggle I struggle with God's wrath and I fear his wrath. Because I don't know if I have forgiven myself for everything I've done. And I don't know if I have moved past what I've done and allowed myself to move past it. And I'm afraid of God's grace because it's so readily available and it's so weighty and it's so freeing and I don't think that I deserve it. I mean, it's been such a huge struggle. I mean, I, I know scripture and I believe scripture, but I believe it for other people. And for whatever reason, I, I, I can't get past I can't get past this hump of like, <clears throat> God's grace is sufficient for you. Yes, God does have wrath, but Jesus died on the cross for you so that that wrath would be taken off you and put on Christ and that debt would be paid that you owe and that Christ would pay it. And I can easily say that and believe that for other people, but for whatever stinking reason, I am not allowing that to be the truth for myself. And I, I'm processing this and it's like, is it, I don't know if I, after, after everything I did, lying to my wife and hurting my family and putting my kids through hell, I don't know if I've ever forgiven myself for it. 
And I don't know if I want to. And that's, that's, that's big. I mean, the, the, there's layers to that. Like, I, I don't know if I like myself. Like, I look at the person that, that I was and I don't like that person. And so, like, that person deserves God's wrath. And I know scripture, like, and, and, I, and I know the truth. I know that we all do. And that's where grace comes in. And that's where grace is sufficient. Because even though I deserve it, it's taken care of. But it's like, there's this, there's this block in me that I, I can't explain. It's like, I won't allow myself to experience the freeness of God. And... I've watched my wife like almost physically shake me like it is there for you. It is already done. You're not living in it. You're living without it intentionally. Why aren't you just enjoying and being part like why am I making this so hard? And I don't know. It almost feels like a midlife crisis without being in the middle of my life. Gosh, I hope I'm not the middle of my life. I'm like, like one third of the way there. But like, and that's why it's so hard. It's so hard because I have all the head knowledge in the world. And I see and and, and all these people around me who are faithful and who are enjoying their faith and who are enjoying the fruits of it and who appear to have these like lavish, faithful lives and relationships with Jesus. And I feel stuck here. Struggling, believing that I am a child of God while knowing the truth of the gospel and struggling to believe that I deserve it. Struggling to believe that I, that I deserve the sufficiency of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it feels like inner chaos. I feel like I'm constantly walking around with this like, tornado inside me and at the end of the day nothing has changed and like I said earlier you know I hope tomorrow is not like today and I think one of the reasons why I also sat down and did this tonight is because I needed to talk this out for myself Because I needed to walk this back. I needed to look at all the parts of this and lay it out on the table and see where things have gone wrong and where they continue to go wrong and where things have gone right and where they continue to go right and see what is missing. And gosh dang it. The one thing that is missing out of my life is God's word. And it's 
very liberating, but also very frustrating because my wife has been telling me this for a very long time. I'm very grateful for her because Paige has been supporting me through all of this. And I've learned to have this balance in my life, you know, this like, like this balance I've been talking about for the past 30 minutes of, you know, like trying to be faithful without feeling and without experiencing and without having this depth to my, to my faith and, you know, trying not to serve two masters, you know, try, trying to just live a life faithful and dedicated to Jesus while also not liking myself and being frustrated with myself and not letting go of the, the past. And while also trying to fully believe that the gospel is true. For almost the past nine years, I've had a back burner faith. And I'll be honest, for a lot of a lot of those years, especially when I was hardcore using pills, that back burner wasn't even turned on. And I think it's time to figure out what to do with this. And I think I think my wife is right. I think Paige is right. I think what's really missing is scripture. What and <laughs> if if you don't if you don't know Jesus, don't believe in Jesus, that's gonna sound really weird. And it's not like some like you know, if I just, if, well, if I read it, they will come. Like if, if, you know, like if I read it, God will show up. Like, you know, this is not, you know, feel the dreams, you know, but it's God makes himself very much so known in scripture. This, this I know. And I want to believe that if I read his word, that he will show up in marvelous ways. I really think it's time for me to take my faith off the back burner and focus on it. I think it's really time for me to to stop waiting and seeing. Gosh, I mean, it's been almost two years of being sober. You know, there's there's <laughs> obviously there's going to be a lot of growth and a lot of healing that's going on. But guys, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of of not having a fruitful and deep relationship with Jesus. And I don't. And guys, I'm. I'm I don't want. One thing I don't want it to come across is this. Like, I don't want it to be this thought of like charisma, charisma, or char, you know, charismatic movement or anything like that. I'm not talking about being charismatic. I'm not talking about like you know those stupid. Christian movies where like mm, the Lord is just so good but like what I'm talking about is like 
What I'm talking about is confidence in Jesus, not in myself, not confidence in my faith, not confidence in my walk or the things that I'm doing, but confidence in his relationship with me. And you know what? I I wouldn't mind a couple of those cheesy, hmm, you know, it sure does beat the void and the the inner chaos. So if you know me or if you listen to this and you have questions, I would love to talk to you about them. And if you're feeling the same way I am, I encourage you to reach out to somebody and tell them. Hopefully you have an incredible spouse who loves you and who will encourage you. And if your spouse or someone you know is going through this, don't stop encouraging them. In fact, I would encourage you to take my wife's route and annoy the crap out of me. (laughs) Annoy the crap out of him like she has with me. Guys, it... It's okay to not be okay. It needs to be okay to not be okay. It needs, we, the church and the church community, the church body needs to be a place where people who are broken like me can come and can say, I am not okay. I'm trying, I'm struggling, this sucks, and I'm not okay. And the church and brothers and sisters in Christ and the community need to respond in kind and surround them. And I'm so grateful that I have a community that I know would do that. And, you know, last night I had, I had dinner with a, with a, a friend in, in, in my small group, in my community, a, a dear friend of mine. And I could have told him all of this, but I didn't. And I missed that opportunity. And so I'm going to do that. This was a ridiculous rant, (laughs) guys. Guys, it was literally like 45 minutes of me blabbing away and... I didn't know what to expect when I sat down here. This may never be ever, ever even be posted. I don't know. I'm going to let Paige listen to it and see what she thinks. But guys, I love you. I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. You have no idea what it's been for us. So um, thank you. Guys, this is Laugh So You Don't Cry.